Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Actually Biblical podcast. We are joined here today with, uh, of course, myself and Tyler, uh, our, our regulars. Uh, unfortunately, Landon will not be here today, but uh, he will he will be back uh, most likely for the next episode. But we have a very special guest with us uh, in his place for sure. This is going to be a great episode, great topic. Uh, he showed us all the notes to me and Tyler um, yesterday. Really fantastic stuff. So I'm really been really excited to dig into this thing. I've uh, been really looking forward to having him on the show for a while. But uh, to introduce himself a little bit, um, so he is a, uh, a a car enthusiast, car and motorcycle enthusiast. Uh, he is he is proud to be a soldier in God's army, and he's an incredible Bible study teacher and does prison ministry and he will we will let him talk all about that uh here in a minute but please help me welcome mr wyatt walker to the show what's up Wyatt? (laughs) hello yeah thank you for that uh i guess i'll just start with my notes here uh i want to talk a little bit about my testimony because i'd like to as james misinterpreted yesterday i want to be offensive in this battle against principalities and just go ahead and start with my offensive weapon which is i was raised catholic which means i was raised trinitarian Mm -hmm. and i wasn't nearly as i only use this because it's the only word i can think of as zealot zealotous Mm -hmm. as i am now but I, i was still i still tried to be active in the church i was part of the knights of columbus which is just a fraternity in the church where you get together and talk about sort of things you can do in the community. Uh, and then I met my wife now, uh, Cheyenne. She, uh, I was convinced that I was going to convert her to be Catholic because my mom always raised me that you need to be, you can't be unequally yoked. So I thought for sure, you know, we're going to go to church, indicator, and continue what I've been doing. And we would have these discussions about oneness versus Trinitarianism, and she'd talk about how the Nicene Creed, it says it splits up the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost, and she would point to that being part of that Trinitarian doctrine, and I'd look at it, no, it says oneness right here, because the scales were right over my eyes, and I just couldn't get them off on my own. But at the end of every day, I would, or at least every discussion, I'd say, Lord, if I'm wrong, tell me, and he did every time. And I believe it was July 3rd, because we were married on July 4th, so it was July 3rd. I received the gift of the Holy Ghost, and then was married the next day. It's pretty close like that. I don't remember exactly. That's awesome. And I've been doing my best to grow in the fullness and stature of Christ since then. Not that long after that, I received a vision in this church here of being a prison minister, it was at the Wise County Jail. I received a vision of being in one of their white rooms, which if you you'd have to see it to know. Uh, and I was just teaching the men in that prison, and I, it was very explicit in my mind. And shortly after that, I received a letter from the military that I was going to have to go to the border. And I thought, you know what? I'm not going to have to because I received this vision. I'll be delivered from this. And that's where God's sense of humor comes from. I go, I went. And I said, Lord, if I do end up going, I know it's your will, and I'll just do my best in your will. 
instead of trying to jump ahead on your timeline. And uh, I ended up getting to teach. Most most of what I did there was prophecy because I like the prophecy stuff with end time and all that. And uh, I did that for about seven months. And during it, I I don't remember which verse it is, but it says that don't let man separate what God has brought together. Mm-hmm. And I, I really started to pray over that a lot. And I ended up fasting sugar and trying to completely eliminate it from my diet for about a month, which for me is difficult. I'm borderline. I have a very strong craving for sweet things. <laughs> and uh, at the end of that, I was on leave at home, and both my cars broke down. I told them, you know, I'm not going to be able to make it in time. And they were basically saying, no, we're going to, you're either going to get here or we're going to do you AWOL, which um, I ended up getting my mom. She was kind enough to drive me back down there eight hours. And I got there after the time I was supposed to be there, but I was still there for my shift that I was supposed to do. So, I mean, was I late? Was I not? Not Besides the point, they decided to do me AWOL anyway. And, uh, my commander brought me in and said, you know, I thought you, we were, you were such a good soldier. I don't know why you're turning into such a dirtbag um, was the gist of it. And then after the, this was after the fast, I got moved from, it was Kilo Company into battalion headquarters. And when that happened, that commander no longer had the authority to charge me AWOL because he wasn't my commander anymore. So God delivered me from that. Then on top of that, I sort of turned that, I mean, the whole thing was sort of a Joseph situation, you know, just you know, try and be fruitful in all your works, but that where it really hit. And I ended up being put in charge of some, basically the eyes and ears of the battalion commander as a lower enlisted in the position of an NCO. And through that, I was put in a place where when they decided to get rid of 700 people from the battalion, I was the first on a list of 38 to go home. And then immediately after that, I jumped in the prison. I'm not leaving. And then I ended up did leave, but now I get to do it weekly, and uh, I'm just very thankful for getting to do it. It's what I live for. It, being able to look at a man who's done a terrible thing and knowing exactly what terrible thing they've done and loving him anyway—that gift that God gives us—is yeah. all the motivation I need to keep doing it. Mm-hmm very powerful uh, so yeah uh, I sort of wrote up a lesson for this or sort of a guideline or just I, I was I'm a truck driver I was driving down the road and I was listening to the Bible and uh, the dedication of the temple uh, Solomon's temple came through and God just put in my head that that was a lesson on repentance and I started working on it and I have a guideline for it and in the way I do it in the prison is just casual conversation. If there, I tell them if there's something you disagree with, we can talk about it. If there's something you don't understand, we can dive deeper into it. And we just have a discussion, and I think they appreciate that over the, I'm going to read my notes, and you're going to listen to it. Well, it allows you to connect with them on a more personal level. It's actually having a conversation with them and allowing them to have some input. That's how I... I do youth class a lot because one, it makes, allows me to make sure that what I'm trying to get across sticks. Mm -hmm. So it's a very useful way to 
to teach and make sure that you're, uh, the person that you're working on is actually receiving or at least comprehending uh, what you're talking about. It's a good way to do it. Yeah. It, it, it definitely does help, especially because they, they go on their long stories about why they're there or um, just things about their lives. And it, it helps to have that pause mm-hmm. to analyze what they're telling me and apply biblical truth to it and try and help them in some way plant whatever seed they'll take in the ground. Um, but what I usually do, so when I when I get in and I see a bunch of new faces, I, I teach on oneness. It's mm. the foundation that we're built on. And uh, I guess this is sort of a, a version of that. I don't know who's listening. They may have never heard oneness before, so I'll start with it. Yeah, it's for everybody. Yes, sir. Uh, never too good for the basics. Never yeah. Good. And... So, this is going to be new for me. Okay. So, Second Peter uh, chapter 1, verse 5, talks about growing into the fullness and stature in Christ, mm-hmm. starting with, add to your faith virtue, to virtue knowledge, to knowledge temperance, the whole, I believe there's seven of them. And so it's sort of what this lesson is, is a list of things that will happen to you, what you can strive for, goals you can have in order to become like Christ in every way. And when it says faith, well, faith in what? Faith in Jesus Christ is the name of the Father of Heaven. Right. And that's the rock. In Matthew sixteen sixteen, 16, uh, the apostles were asking, Jesus was asking the apostles, who did the disciples say that I am? They said, Jeremiah, one of the prophets, Elijah, uh, John the Baptist. Um, I believe they mentioned that one there. I don't know if he was dead yeah, by yeah. that time or not. Yeah. There, there was a lot of answers. <laughs> yeah. And then right. Jesus asked the apostles, who did they say that, they, that mm-hmm. he is? And Peter blurted out, thou art the Christ. And Jesus said, that's the rock where I'm going to build my church on. Not Peter, which is a common misconception yeah. in Catholicism, uh, that the fact that I am the Christ you've been waiting for, Emmanuel, the son born of the virgin, mm-hmm. is the foundation of the church, which ties handily into Solomon's temple is because the temple was built on the foundation of Mount Moriah, mm-hmm. which was God's rock all the way back with Abraham as far back as I can remember. I don't know where else Mount Moriah came up. But uh, that that mountain has been important throughout the whole testament the old testament and jesus became that mountain in the reality of the new testament yeah that's really good though because um we have to have something solid to stand on and if it's just off of you know how we feel or uh, religious just out of pure religion and uh, out of ritual, uh, there's not a whole lot of substance to your faith. I mean, you got to be able to, uh, you got to have something to, strong to stand on. And mm-hmm. Jesus Christ is the only man to walk this earth that that fits the bill. That you know, uh, you know, both uh, prophetically and uh, in mm-hmm. the way. I mean, just looking at the way he acted and uh, take other religions for example. 
uh, all of their profits. Uh, they, some of them may have died for their causes, but I mean, Jesus was the only one to ever say, I, I am the way. You don't get to the Father except through me. Just mm -hmm. so many different ways he confirms in the Bible that yeah. he is the rock. He's the foundation mm -hmm. of, of our faith. Yeah, and so this lesson will be on repentance. Um, specifically, part of my testimony is that I was called to teach, mm. and I I take that very literally. You know, I'm I don't know I don't know where I was going with that, but I like to teach. I like to expound on the mm. word, and part of that. Uh, before I get into this, people can receive their conviction from God, and they keep looking for something else. They they want. Uh, mm -hmm. They hear it one way, and they don't like that way, so they want another way. And Acts 17, 21 talks about it in the sense of, For all the Athenians and strangers which were there spent their time in nothing else but either to tell or hear some new thing. And you know, it's it's almost like sort of how gossip works. It's all, all about hearing the new thing. Mm -hmm. And that can happen spiritually when, for me, you know, I kept looking for something else to get shine with mm. about just I was wrong every time and it's like, okay, how can I be right? And in in the sense of when you're told Acts two thirty eight to repent, be baptized, and receive the gift of the Holy Ghost, you don't need to go through the rest of the Bible where it talks about it. Yeah. In mm -hmm. the different ways, like with Solomon's temple. Essentially this lesson shouldn't be necessary, but Sorry, my train is just jumped on another track. Uh, Not you good, man. I understand for some people it is necessary because for me, having this list of things to do and check boxes to check, make sure that I'm doing everything correctly <laughs> is helpful. But if God's already given you word on something, he's already given you, for me, I had some very expensive computers that God said you need to sell them and sort of like a Isaac thing. Yeah. Uh, and I did it in the sense of whatever you need to give up, whatever is there in between you and God, just do it. Don't look for something else new. The truth is already there. Accept the conviction that he already gave you mm -hmm. and yeah. move forward. Absolutely. Well, I mean, as a personal example, um, it was whenever I was working at my previous employer, I was busy trying to find a new job because we were because COVID had just started and it was kind of rough, right? And so I'm I'm doing everything in my in my power to try and solve the problem. And in prayer, well, during prayer, God said, "Stop looking." I gave you this job. I've supplied every day, and uh, Brother Hanthorn talked about you know manna from heaven, uh, how he's supplied on a daily basis, and still the people you know complained and talked about uh, their time in Egypt and. Uh, essentially, I was kind of doing the same thing during that phase of my life where God had provided for me and my family. I still, you know, whined and complained about, you know, wanting to make more money and everything else. My own ambitions getting in the way of what God had supplied. Um, stopped worrying about it. And then, you know, two months later, I get the job that I have now. I wasn't even looking. I interviewed twice for one, one time for each, for two completely different jobs. They wanted me for two different positions. I and I had the, the the opportunity to take one that was still completely remote with with no travel. So, uh, 
maybe a slightly different direction on that, but that's what came to my mind was, uh, I mean, God provides in, in uh, whether uh, we have to make sure that we, we check ourselves, do some personal inventory to make sure we're not derailing what, you know, God's done for us and getting away from that. But Yeah, that's that's the wonderful thing about it is the truth isn't, it's universal. You know, you could be not in Christ, you could be a child in Christ, you could be in the fullness and stature, and that same truth will apply to your situation. Uh, I don't know how how many verses I need to apply as proof, but uh, I mentioned Matthew sixteen sixteen, and then Ephesians two nineteen uh, specifies that Christ is the cornerstone, saying that. Uh, for through him we both have access by one spirit unto the Father. Now therefore ye are no more strangers and foreigners, but fellow citizens with the saints and of the household of God, and are built upon the foundation of the apostles and prophets, Jesus Christ himself being the chief cornerstone. So, I mean, there, there's even more structure to it, and that's the temple. You know, you have the foundation, and then you have the temple, and all the pillars. One was Boaz. I don't remember the other one. Uh, just all the structure that comes into it, all the intricacies of being a Christian. It's all important, but you've got to stand on that foundation or your house falls. Yeah. Uh, and this, I'm sure this is going to be a common occurrence where I go silent for a little bit as I... Yeah, no, take your time, man. Take, yeah. take your time, gather your thoughts. And th- um, I mean, James, you got anything you want to add so far? Um, yeah, when he was talking about... Um, you know, trying to find something new whenever you've already received the conviction or the word, you know, um, I love talking about Jonah for some odd reason, but you see that happen with Jonah. God gives him the word and then Jonah does literally the exact opposite, but then, you know, God doesn't speak to him again. He just sends stuff his way just to mess with them, just to get him back on track. So it's, it's, it's really a very dangerous thing when God speaks to you and you either don't act on it or you just completely disobey willfully. Cause I can guarantee you right now, he's not going to speak to you until then you repent of it. Mm-hmm. Or if he does, he'll be speaking to you out of judgment. <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah. so just get it right the first time, <laughs> you know, or, you know, if you, if you, if you failed to get it right, just repent, you know, and just, and then, He'll he'll start to speak to you again, but it's uh, the the word of the Lord is, is a very serious thing, you know. And I, I quote the scripture a lot, but uh, Psalms one thirty eight and two says that he exalts his word above all his name. I mean, the word is the highest authority yeah. ever, you know. So uh, that's why it's so serious to read the word, to obey it, of course. Um, and you know, even in people who aren't Christians on the outside looking, is like, man, like, why is all this? discussion and debate about all these different topics that might seem meaningless to them. It's like, no man, it matters. Cause this thing is the most, this word is the most important thing ever. I mean, it's the word of the Lord that created everything. It's, it's the word of the Lord that changes, changes us and guides us. Yeah. Gives us wisdom for everything. And it's know? not open to private interpretation. Either. It is not. It is not. You need to check what people are saying mm-hmm. against the word of God. Yeah. And if we ever say anything that's wrong on here, we'll we'll let you know because we're uh, we're not so proud that you know if we 
say something wrong because I, I I've even done it in youth class where I've completely butchered a scripture or misunderstood what it was, um, and uh, really come you you know realize oh wait I I was completely wrong on this and then admitting it and you know fixing the issue to get rid of any of that that confusion. Yeah. Of course, you got to be able to lay down your pride to be able to also admit that you're wrong, uh, which I think. Uh, uh, you probably see that in prison ministry where admitting that they were wrong is probably uh, takes some work to get to get to that point. Because, I mean, before you even get to repentance, you have to acknowledge the fact that I'm a sinner, I've done wrong, confession. I've messed up, confession, um, confession to Christ that, you know, I know, I, I realize now that I'm a sinner, that revelation has come to me, and... You know, now I'm taking the steps to repent, turning away from that full 180, away from it, and wanting to change my life and allowing Christ. And that, that's when you can actually uh, get baptized in Jesus' name, applying His name, and then receiving the gift that He has for you, which is why we like to quote Acts two thirty eight so much. Mm-hmm. And that's perfect because uh, Solomon's prayer before the dead, or his dedicating prayer before the fire consumed the the offering contained what you're talking about that just the the fact that the scripture is true beginning middle and end and what you're talking about is there in that old testament scripture where no one's thinking about that where it talks about if uh in our iniquity it essentially says that let us look to this temple and seek mercy from you and then bring us back to what we call sonship and it's it's just amazing that it's all there yeah and, I, and we talked about it uh, in youth class. I touched on the prodigal son, too. What you have to realize is that whenever the prodigal son realized how low his life was in the in the sin that he was living in, uh, whenever he came back, what position did he seek? Do you remember? Servant. Servant. It was out of servitude that he came back. It wasn't. He didn't go back thinking, I'm just going to restore myself to the title that I had being a son, being an heir to this, I'm going to go serve and work. Uh, I'm going to seek the, the lowest seat. You know, there's not a, not a whole lot of personal gain in, mm-hmm. in serving. Um, and there shouldn't be, uh, it's not serving if, if you're after personal gain. Um, and you can definitely pull a, a story, uh, a sermon out of repentance from, from the prodigal son because uh, he turns away from the world and from, you know, what his, his personal ambitions and his sin were to seek out being a servant in his father's house and not being instantly restored to being a son. That wasn't his intent, mm-hmm. which I think is a very important, important yeah. thing to point out. Mm-hmm. The promise of the servant, the lowest seat in the house was greater than his position in the world. And those who are first will be last, and those who are last will be first. Yep. Amen. I think what's throwing me off here is usually I, I do a whole lesson just on this part, and I have to throw in more to it. So it's. Yeah, yeah, sorry. <laughs> no, it's. Yeah. We, we had to type it all up. Um, but uh, yeah, it's definitely more of a conversation. Uh, because repentance, I mean, teaching repentance, we, we can. We tell people, repent and be baptized. But we need to, you know, build up what like what is repentance really, right? Mm-hmm. Like, what is the actual definition of repentance? Mm-hmm. 
Oh, you pop quizzing me? Yeah, I'm pop quizzing y'all. Turning away. Turning away. Right. Yeah. It's not just saying, oops, sorry, God, I'm sorry. I did it again. Messed up. You know, forgive me and then go out and do it again. Right. It's not a, it's not a back and forth thing. It's laying it on the altar and letting God have it mm-hmm. and take it from you and cleanse it. Amen. James and I were talking yesterday about numbers in the Bible and their meanings, about seven and 40 and mm-hmm. all those different things. And we got to three a little bit and I, I'm sure everyone comes up with their little names. I come, this is the threes of salvation for me because you've got three sets of threes that I found in the new Testament where, uh, First John five seven is one of my favorites because it's in the King James version, but it's not in my own Bible, which is a New International version. It's the only one I can really take into the prison right now. Mm-hmm. Um, it essentially states that there are three that bear witness in the earth: the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And these three are one, which is a verse that definitely shouldn't have been taken out. That defeats anything other than oneness right there. And then you have the verse directly after, which it says there are three that bear witness in heaven, I believe, the spirit, the water, and the blood, and these three are in agreement, Mm -hmm. which is referring to salvation. So you have blood, water, and spirit. You apply that to Acts 2.38, where it says, repent, be baptized, and be filled with the spirit. Mm -hmm. So you can see these similarities, and when you start to apply what blood is to that repentance, it, it's blood cleans out the poisons in our body, and when you turn, it's essentially you're you're drinking from a bottle of poison, and you start drinking from the cure, is what it is. And then you have what the gospel is: the death, burial, and resurrection of Christ, which is First Corinthians fifteen. It uh, mentions that. Now you can apply the blood repentance to death, and you said that it's not just oh, put a bandaid on it and keep playing the game it's no the old you what i'll talk about with the dedication of the temple is consumed Mm -hmm. especially when you do all three steps and you can't all that's left is ashes you cannot when you truly repent all that's left is going to be ashes you can't pick up your old life you can go back and do the same things but you're not going to be the same person Mm -hmm. and i'm not preaching once saved always saved i'm telling you that when god touches you that's you're not going to be the same person. No. Is the simplest way to put it. It, it definitely right. changes you. Never be the same. Yeah. And uh, you know, I guess that's a good enough summary of that of oneness. Um, mm-hmm. So the summary of what I'm going to talk about is David received in his heart the desire to build a temple. It wasn't unto him, it was unto his son to do it. God said that Solomon had to do it because uh, basically David mm-hmm. built the kingdom on blood and he didn't want his temple to be built under that same principle. Um, the entire congregation was gathered at the dedication and the sacrifice was consumed by fire. And fire, in really anywhere in the Bible, signifies the Spirit of the Lord. There are a couple of other things that signify it, but fire is the main thing. Fire fell on the apostles at Pentecost. Mm-hmm. And uh, so what really struck me is, what was that offering? What took place there to get the fire? Because for me, <clears throat> I didn't really know what happened. 
when, when I got it. I kind of just, I went up there. People were telling me to do things, and I couldn't tell you why the fire touched me specifically i know why it happened but i couldn't tell you specifically what i told god or what mm-hmm. i was feeling in the moment and based on that alone i i can see where somebody could keep going up to the front and they're just not getting it they're the the fire isn't consuming their offering mm-hmm. or something along those lines and i think that's why god showed me this i was driving down the road and i was just did I already mention this? Was this before or during? I already forgot. I was driving down the road. I'll, Why did you go ahead and say it again? I was an over-the-road truck driver, and uh, I was listening to the Bible because I, I heard someone talk about how they, whenever they first started, they got into listening to basically lessons. And someone who had never met him before came up and said, before you get into these lessons, read the whole Bible all the way through, and it, it will increase the amount of knowledge you can absorb from the lessons and so that's what I was doing and it, it just came across this and it was like the Lord told me to put a lesson together and uh, so where it started was in Second Chronicles chapter 6 where Solomon started praying over the offering and I guess I'll go to that. So the Our Father, a lot of people, at least when I was a Catholic, I understood that the Our Father is a prayer. You know, you pray the Hail Mary, you pray the Our Father. You have a specific chant that everyone knows and prays together. I didn't realize that it was, uh, what would you call it, an example of how your prayer should look, mm-hmm. but not actually be what it is. And I believe that Solomon is another great example because it starts with praise and worship. Mm-hmm. It starts with acknowledging the fact that this temple I'm building can't even contain you. What am I doing here building this building for the God of the universe that yeah. can't even the earth can't contain you? What am I doing? Heavens of heavens of heavens. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Can't contain them either. <laughs> just, just part of that, what I'm doing means nothing. And part of Ecclesiastes, you're not... I forget the exact term that it uses, but it's all for naught. Vanity. Uh, Like there's no, when you look at it through a worldly lens, there's no reason to do this. You can't make sense of it. But I'm going to do it anyway because I love you. And that's how the prayer starts. Well, as another example, I don't want to throw you off, but as another example, though, talking about righteousness, our righteousness is like filthy rags unto him. Just another example of, you know, man's attempts at greatness will will never be able to hold or fulfill God's promise yeah. for his will. Do we want to read some of this in Second Chronicles? Just read straight into yes. the book? So, I don't think it starts with the dedication. Yeah, it doesn't. It starts, starts at 12. With, yeah. yeah, verse 12. You want me to read it since I got pulled it, or do you, did you want to read it? I'm just making sure that I didn't have anything from the beginning part. Oh, you're good. I, I wanted to, mm-hmm. before before we touch on this, I wanted yeah. to, the aspect of that the whole congregation was there. Mm-hmm. Yeah. When you get down to pray, 
you can't be doing the dishes. You can't be thinking about if you left the oven on or the fridge open or something like that. <laughs> All of Jerusalem was there at the dedication of this temple for the fire to be consumed. You have to be holy on God and everything you're doing. Your hands are up for God. You're praising for God. You're thinking about God. It's all in one accord, like at the 120 in the upper room. They were all thinking about God. Not one of them was thinking about whether or not they forgot something. They were all in one accord thinking about God. Yeah. The whole congregation was there for the dedication of the temple, listening to what Solomon said. And when you put that as the church, as the, as the body of Christ, right? Is it? Yeah, 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 yeah. It, it just, oh gosh, I've lost my vocabulary. <laughs> um, it's a great analogy and layers of one person or the whole church. Mm-hmm. Just applying these things to your life in that way. Um, but yeah, I think that's all that I had before I go into... I guess I'll read the prayer. It's kind of a long prayer. It's not like the Our Father. Um, (laughs) And he stood before the altar of the Lord in the presence of all the congregation of Israel and spread forth his hands. For Solomon had a brazen scaffold of five cubits long and five cubits broad and three cubits high and had set it in the midst of the court. And upon it he stood and kneeled down upon his knees before all the congregation of Israel and spread forth his hands toward heaven. And said, O Lord God of Israel, there is no God like thee in heaven, nor in the earth, which keepest covenant, and showest mercy unto thy servants, that walk before thee with all their hearts. Thou which hast kept with thy servant David my father, that which thou hast promised him, and hast and spakest with thy mouth, and hast fulfilled it with thine hand, as it is this day. Now therefore, O Lord God of Israel, keep with thy servant David my father, that which thou hast promised him, saying, There shall not fail thee a man in my sight to sit upon the throne of Israel. Yet so that thy children take heed to the to their to their way to walk in my law as thou hast walked before me. Now then, O Lord God of Israel, let thy word be verified which thou hast spoken upon thy servant David. Part of this that I like is prayer isn't prayers. The prayer of repentance isn't a question. It's not begging God. Mm-hmm. The promise has already been established. It's mostly coming to realize that you don't really ask for it. Solomon is here basically saying, Lord, you made David a promise, and I'm David's seed, so that promise is mine. Do it. And it obviously didn't sound like that, but that, that realization that there's no beggars in the kingdom of heaven. Mm-hmm. Right. Amen. The seat has your name on it. You know, you were talking about the prodigal son. Mm-hmm. He came back seeking the lowest seat, knowing that he could, that as a son, let me let me correct my words here. I might need to go back to how my notes said it. He sought the lowest seat even though he was a son and had authority to a higher seat. He didn't stop. That The fact that he was the father's son didn't change. Mm-hmm. He changed. Yeah. So that seat was there for him the whole time. Whether, I mean, the servants, the sons, he probably could have gone back and said, let me be the son again. And the father might have accepted him. But the point is he sought the lowest seat, which is its own lesson. Yeah. But the seat had his name on it the whole time. He didn't. Mm. 
go back and beg. The father just received him because he realized that seat's mine. Mm -hmm. In the same way, when you get down and repent, Lord, you already bought me. I'm not asking you to die on the cross again. I'm just accepting that fact, and I'm going to live for you now. Right. It's mm -hmm. all dealing in facts. There's no question about it. Right. And the train of thought diverts again. <laughs> You're good, man. That's good stuff, though. That's really good. Amen. And here's what I was mentioning. But will God in very deed dwell with men on the earth? Behold, heaven and the heaven of heavens cannot contain thee. How much less this house which I have built. Have respect, therefore, to the prayer of thy servant and to his supplication, O Lord my God, to hearken unto the cry and the prayer which thy servant prayeth before thee, that thine eyes may be upon thee this house day and night, upon, upon this house day and night, upon the place whereof thou hast said that thou wouldest put thy name there, speaking specifically Jerusalem. Uh, to hearken unto the prayer which thy servant prayeth toward his place. Hearken, therefore, unto the supplications of thy servant and thy people Israel, which they shall make toward this place. Hear thou from thy dwelling place, even from heaven, and when thou hearest, forgive. Make sure I'm not getting something from that. Um, Not anything that I haven't already said. Um, if a man sin against his neighbor and an oath be laid upon him, this basically goes into examples of what I was talking about. Um, I guess I'll just read it. If a man sin against his neighbor and an oath be laid upon him to make him swear and the oath come before thine altar in this house, then hear thou from heaven and do, and judge thy servants by requiting the, the wicked by recompensing his way upon his own head and by justifying the righteous by giving him according to his righteousness. He's praying in the will of God here. Mm -hmm. The I can't quite place it with words. Sol the part of why this offering was consumed with fire is... He's not praying his own will. First of all, the whole thing was an act of worship and praise. And then he adds praise and worship on top of that with, it, with his prayer. And then he starts praying with his praying in the will of God, saying that, you know, have mercy if someone will repent, basically. And there, there's multiple examples of that. And that's one... I, I look at this like a bulletin list. You need to be praying in the will of God if yeah. you're going to get it. You're, you're not going to you're not going to be consumed by fire if you're not all in one accord you know mm -hmm. after this I'm going to go do the groceries but let's get this done first um, it, it requires a certain understanding that part of the repentance you die to yourself and you're living for the Lord's will okay well I'm going to pray for that will I understand what that will is I'm proving to you that I know it because I'm praying that to you right now. It, Peter talks about add to faith virtue to virtue knowledge. Knowledge comes after the fire has come down, but there's still that little bit of understanding that has to be there. Peter, uh, when Peter said that Jesus was the Christ, it was a 
Jesus says that that revelation wasn't his own. It came from the Father. Mm -hmm. yeah. I'm not saying that this is something you have to do on your own. God will give it to you. Yeah. And this is basically the receipt yeah. is what you're doing. You're proving that you've received that revelation and you're applying it. Mm -hmm. Yeah, because I mean the evidence of the Holy Ghost was... Speaking another time. Yeah. There, there was a physical evidence. Yeah. Um, twice point that these are the signs that should follow them, right? Like, uh, there, there's not, it's not just saying, I believe in you, God, and now you're saved, or confessing out of your mouth that Jesus is your Savior. There are, you're going to see certain signs and ev there's evidence behind. What a Christian acts like, talks like, and, and spiritual growth and the fruits that they produce in their life. Yeah. And no, I was just going to repeat that it's just a, it's a lot more than just a confession out of your mouth. Like there, after the confession, mm -hmm. that there there are physical signs and wonders yeah. that happen, and really miracles that that uh, this flesh can hold part of, you know, I mean, can hold the Holy Ghost and, or obtain the Holy Ghost. I mean, that that's why it's a gift, right? Because it's not something that we can obtain on our own. Mm -hmm. uh, but I'll let you. Well, part, part of that praying in the will of God, being an Old Testament Jew of this time, it, it was very, the seed, the bloodline you were part of was very important into whether or not you were going to be going to heaven or not. Yeah. Which is why it's strange that in verse 32, Moreover, concerning the stranger which is not of thy people Israel, but is come from a far country for thy great name's sake, and thy mighty hand, and thy stretched out arm, if they come and pray in this house, then hear thou from the heavens, even from thy dwelling place, and do according to all that the stranger calleth to thee for, that all people of the earth may know thy name, and fear thee, as doth thy people Israel, and may know that this house which I have built is called by thy name. So, thousands of years before salvation was under the Gentiles, which I've I've come to to start to believe that it wasn't only to the Jews the whole time. The servants of the house of God also were under the covenant. They they were circumcised. They did things when they were bought as slaves. So did they do those things and not receive the promise? I guess that's a question to be answered. But he's praying in Lord's will thousands of years in the future. Mm -hmm. And that's that proof that you've got the revelation. You're praying in His will. I never thought about that. I like that point, though. Yeah, I never thought about that. The before the servants had. Well, to... yeah, because I mean, back then, I mean, servitude and, and slavery was a normal thing. Like the master-slave model is a very normal thing, but they had to adhere to to the house, like to the whoever was you know, Lord of the, over them. Right. That's, mm -hmm. I mean, that's kind of where, I mean, that's really where the word Lord comes from mm -hmm. is the Lord of whatever, uh, you know, who, who, who owns them, who bought them. Right. Which is why the Jesus bought us uh, mm -hmm. with the price of his own, uh, his, the flesh, the flesh dying on the cross uh, yeah. was the price that he paid uh, for us. To touch on that a little bit more. No, I've, um, I'm of the understanding that Ruth was not, of the people of Israel. She was a servant. Ruth is the great-grandmother, great-great-grandmother of David. 
I believe that is correct. I'd have to go back and read it. Yeah, I'm, I I'm, think I'm, you're I'd right, have, though. I'd have to go back and look. But I, I do think you're right, though. She but, she is in there somewhere. And they took them wives of the women of Moab. The name of one was Or Orpah, and the name of the other was Ruth. And they dwelled about more dwelled there about ten years. So they were of Moab. I don't think the children of Moab were under the covenant. Yet, the lineage of Christ mm-hmm. came from yeah. a heathen, yeah. which I don't even think that's the only example of that. Um, was, is she not there in heaven? Did she, I mean, she, she followed all the law of the time? Yeah. The, and that, that's. I don't think Solomon understood that in his day. I think that, I mean, I, I don't know. I'm not going to get too much into yeah. thinking uh, uh, into it. Yeah, but. well, like the kind of the gray area where we don't know exactly what they yeah. were thinking unless they wrote it down. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, I'll just stick with what's in the book for now. Yeah. No, you're good, man. Stuff goes deep, though. Yeah. Stuff goes real deep. Yeah. Well, I mean, it is true, though, that, that bloodline's extremely important in in that culture and in the Bible. Because otherwise, why why else do we have entire genealogies? Yeah. Entire genealogies that are listed out. Luke 3.38 is there for it. I mean, yeah. it's obviously important if the doctor of the, the only gospel writer that was a doctor decided to dedicate a, cha- a chapter to it. Yeah. I think we're almost done with this very long prayer. Uh, I think we left off on uh, verse 25. I was at 32, 34. Uh, Might be. <laughs> <laughs> uh, talks about going out to war. Mm-hmm. It's it's a lot of similar sayings. I'll, I'll go to the end here, and then I'll go into chapter 7. Now, my God, let I, let I beseech thee, thine eyes be open, and let thine ears be attent unto the prayer that is made in this place. Now, therefore, arise, O Lord God, into thy resting place. Thou, in the ark of thy strength, let thy priests, O Lord God, be clothed with salvation, and let thy saints rejoice in goodness. O Lord God, not turn away, turn not the face of thine anointed. Remember the mercies of David, thy servant. Sort of a summary of what he prayed already. And then in chapter 7, now when Solomon had made an end of praying, the fire came down from heaven and consumed the burnt offering and the sacrifices, and the glory of the Lord filled the house. Now, I believe it was chapter, it may have been chapter 6, maybe chapter 5, the glory of the Lord had already filled the house, mm-hmm. according to the chronology of these chapters. But the fire wasn't there yet. Mm-hmm. You are able to get to a spot in repentance where the presence of the Lord is there, and if you stop and no one corrects you or you don't look into it yourself you can go away thinking that you're saved mm-hmm. yeah because you, you felt a move from god you, yeah. you, i mean the yeah. presence of god isn't something to sneeze at and it can lead people astray when they don't press through the veil yeah. which is I, I don't remember where it talks. I mean, the priests have to push through the heavy veil to get into the tabernacle, which is a type well, and shadow of this. But Well, I mean, the, the veil leads, correct me if I'm wrong, but the, the veil leads into the Holy of Holies, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. <clears throat> yeah. So it's the last step before you really like enter where, if, this is probably the worst way to say it, but the presence of God is like the thickest and it is the most evident, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah. They they praise, they worship, the glory of the Lord filled the house. The fire wasn't there yet. The fire consumes the offering after the prayer, 
the essentially the there's the physical offering and then there's the offering that Solomon gave mm-hmm. from him from himself saying Lord I'm offering myself I'm going to die on this altar this this beast right here doesn't matter I'm the one dying then the fire consumes and the glory of the Lord filled the house and the priest could not enter into the house of the Lord because the glory of the Lord had filled the Lord's house and when all the children of Israel Israel saw how the fire came down and the glory of the Lord upon the house they bowed themselves and their faces to the ground upon the pavement and worshiped and praised the Lord saying for he is good and his mercy endureth forever the worship and praise mm-hmm. continued if not grew after the fire consumed it didn't stop that this is Amen. one of those part of you know, speaking in tongues is a personal evidence. I don't think it's for the congregations to check the list. Okay, this person received it because they spoke in tongues. No, it's for you to tell the devil, get off my back. I've got the promise. Yeah. It's mm-hmm. it's for fighting against condemnation. So part of checking off that list is basically how did your prayer session end? Mm-hmm. After you received the Spirit... Did you continue or did you just stop? And I believe that's part of this checklist to basically prove to yourself that it's self-proving. I can't think of the word. Um, Self-evident, self-proving. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Let's get back to my notes here. But, yeah, I mean, I think so many people, I mean, they call themselves... Uh, I don't want to say they call themselves Christian. People want to be Christ-like, right? Mm-hmm. People that read the Word and they can, they they want to be more like Him. It's a natural thing to be more like. It's a very natural thing for children to want to be like their father, right? Uh, I act a lot like my dad, uh, and I, I I'm in the career path that I'm in because I was like I looked up to my dad, <clears throat> and. So it's natural for all of mankind to want to be like God, like Christ. But it goes a little bit further. Like we, we, we get to the point where we feel where we can feel his presence, but there there's still that extra step to where we actually act like him and uh mm-hmm. receiving the spirit and get coming back to that. It, it's a promise and it's a gift. And I I, I'm still learning about, you know, especially personally, like trying to pray for the youth, like one on one, especially whenever they're up at the at the at the altar praying. Um, I, I I pray I'm like God, give me the words to say to try and help guide them to that point to get them to the point where it, it's on them to cross over or accept the gift, wh- whatever it is that. That roadblock, I think sometimes it's different for everyone, mm-hmm. whether, you know, they feel like they're undeserving of that gift, so it, that shuts down their prayer, um, or they don't understand what the gift of the Holy Ghost is, so maybe sometimes a lack of understanding, but like, well, God, whatever whatever it is, like, give me the wisdom to be able to speak to it so that way I can at least help them get to the point where it's just a decision to, to walk through and break through, break through that veil. Uh, especially with the youth, since I've been involved with the youth, that I, I love going up there and seeing them praying for one another and and encouraging each other to you know pray through and get the Holy Ghost. It's such an awesome feeling to, or such an awesome 
thing to to witness uh, with the youth. I mean, Micah sitting right there uh, two Sundays ago or whatever. You were praying for that that one one of the one of our visitors that are starting. They've become a normal family uh, in our congregation, and I saw you praying for him, and it 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 definitely touched me. It's you know, youth pastor. It's a good. It was an awesome feeling to see that. Uh, that you guys have a burden for one another to help mm-hmm. try and pray each other through and being there for one another and supporting each other in prayer. Um, it probably, I'm probably moving in a different direction <laughs> than what your notes were, but I just want to say that because mm-hmm. it crossed my mind because uh, since we were talking about the veil and pushing into the Holy of Holies, uh, I just wanted to make that call out. So thank you, Micah, and the rest of the Rock Church youth for having that burden for souls well no i I don't think you you're very far off at all i went back through and i remembered something uh exodus chapter 25 verse 22 talks about another specific step or aspect of what we're talking about it was 25 I'll start at 21. And thou shalt put the mercy seat above upon the ark, and in the ark thou shalt put the testimony that I shall give thee, and there I will meet with thee, and I will commune with thee from above the mercy seat. From between the two churches, it describes the physical aspects of the mercy seat. When Solomon was referring to the mercies of David, you were talking about being unworthy. Uh, so a roadblock that might hit somebody. I've got some hard truth for you. You're not worthy. Yeah. I don't care who you are. I don't care how much money you got. I'm not worthy. Yeah. To be on that mercy seat and commune with God, and that's. I'll lead this into what the key of great faith is. Uh, because this is part of growing into the fullness and stature in Christ. The apostles asked Jesus to increase their faith. And Jesus told them the story of, let me look exactly. I had to write it down. I'd be a fool. I don't think I did. Essentially, you you can probably look it up right quick if you don't mind. But it's uh, the apostles asked Jesus to increase their faith. Uh, And Jesus tells them a story of unworthiness that uh, it goes that the servants do the master's will and they don't... This is where they talk about the grain of a mustard seed, right? Yeah, and after that as well. I've got it in Luke chapter 17, verse 5. And the apostle said unto the Lord, increase our faith. And the Lord said, if ye had faith as a grain of mustard seed, that's pretty small, you might say under this uh, sycamine tree, I think usually people say sycamine tree, be thou plucked up by the root, and be thou planted in the sea, and it should be, and it should obey you. But which of you, having a servant plowing or feeding cattle, will say unto him, by and by, when he has come from the field, go and sit down to meat? And will not rather say unto him, make ready wherewith I may sup, and gird thyself and serve me, till I have eaten and drunken? And afterward thou shalt eat and drink. Doth he think 
that servant because he did the things that were commanded of him? I trow not. So likewise ye, when ye, uh, when ye shall have... Lord have mercy, I cannot talk today. So likewise ye, when ye shall have done all those things which are commanded you, say, we are unprofitable servants, we have done that which was our duty to do. And then after that, it talks about the great, uh, the grateful Samaritan. Yeah, so essentially, he tells them that you don't need a lot of faith to do a lot in the spirit of God, in the mm-hmm. kingdom of God. And then he, because that mustard, the mustard seed is tiny. Like, it, yeah. like you can't even like hardly hold it <laughs> between your two fingers because it's so small. Uh, but that's all it takes. I mean, God can take it and do great things. But I mean, to have that, to put a quantity behind it, like that's a small, that's a small amount in our minds. But for but God can take that and uproot things in your life and cast them far away. You know, it's an amazing thing that God can do so much with so little. Uh, at least in our minds, it's so little. Um, I, I'm, I'm losing my train of thought here. Yeah, I don't know what it is. I guess the air's stuff in here. I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. But uh, so the the point that I want to get on. So the master, it's basically saying what master wouldn't go and tell his servants to do their job. Yeah. And when they do their job, when they're obedient they did their job as they were ordered where there's no need to thank them. They did what they were told to do, mm-hmm. but instead we are unprofitable servants. We have done that, which was our duty to do and that we are unprofitable servants. They did what they were told to do. They, they didn't short change and they didn't overdo it either, but they still said we are unprofitable. And when you go to, uh, I believe that's this grateful Samaritan will actually be part of it. No, it's not. When you have the parables in the Bible, like uh, the woman at the well, or, no, it's not the woman. Whichever one where the woman says, even the dogs eat from the scraps of the master's table. I don't remember exactly which parable that is. She expresses that she's a dog, but even I get the scraps. So it comes from that revelation of... Okay, this is God. He's going. He's giving out this gift, uh, but also, I'm not worthy of it because I'm a dog. But it's just, I can't word it. She's an unprofitable servant. Expresses that unworthiness, and at the end of it, Jesus says, "I've seen no such faith in all of Israel." Kind of thing, mm-hmm. go thy way and sin no more. What, it, what, it, whatever the exact verse it says, that's the gist of it. And then you have the, the centurion servant, where mm-hmm. uh, he says, "I'm not worthy that you should enter under my roof." And then he describes that he knows he he is a, uh, above people, and he knows what it's like to order, mm-hmm. to make orders and things to get done. And he says, basically says, "I know that you can do the same thing." I'm not worthy that you should under my roof, but only say the word. Mm-hmm. And uh, that that expression that I'm trying to 
grasp here. That that's the when the apostle said, "Increase our faith," and Jesus tells them, "You're an unprofitable servant." Essentially, when you, when you do everything at the end of the day, you're still unprofitable. There, you 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 can, you can teach the word to one person; it can stick and be a wonderful fruit come out of that person. Or you could do it to a hundred or a thousand. At the end of the day, you're still unprofitable because God did all the work. Mm-hmm. Part of part of that eternal Sabbath thing is you're not doing your will anymore. Every day you're doing the will of God. So where is your profit? Where's your thanks? What, why would you be seeking that? So the key of faith, of great faith, is at the end of the day, when you're doing the will of the Lord, when you're seeking something, for instance, the, the few times that I've actually done this is I was praying for someone's animal and I wasn't praying for the animal. I wasn't praying for, Lord, please make me look good with this prayer or something like that. I was saying, Lord, the purpose of this is not for me. It's for your will. I was essentially saying that show these people who don't know you your mm-hmm. power. Yeah. It's it's not about me being the one doing the prayer, Lord. It's there's something special that can happen here and I can see that and I'm going to make this prayer and hopefully they'll see it and act on it. Yeah. Which they didn't, but you know. Uh, I'm not wording it very well. I I'm, I'm a very young Christian as far as all this goes. Um but yeah, that's the key of great faith and uh But I mean it I think just to sum it all up, though, I mean, we covered a lot of good stuff. Uh, talking about coming to the realization and the the revelation that we are sinners, and sometimes you got to be careful to make sure we say it in a loving way and not at a condemnation, right? Uh, but we're all sinners. Uh, we all come from this fallen nature, and we we got to realize that. And be able to come clean and tell God, look, I failed. Same way King David did whenever whenever he sinned. Mm-hmm. Uh, I and I alone have sinned. It's not because, uh, to wrap it back to an earlier statement that you said pretty early on, with the prison ministry, uh, they'll, they'll come up with excuses on why they're locked up, right? Uh, so-and-so did this, they set me up, they did this. But you put yourself in a position to, you know, you you live a certain life and you put yourself in a position to be accused and to commit whatever whatever crime or uh, felony that they, they commit. Um, I, I think King David is a great example of uh, repentance and the, especially the confession to God that, you know, I, I messed up. Nobody else made me do it. Uh, it's not because, you know, I'm, I'm king. I can do whatever I want kind of thing. And well, she shouldn't have been there at, at this time. And, you know, temptation, it's, you know, the devil made me do it. The devil made me do it, you know, or say this, uh, owning up to, our actions and our our sin uh, is a fir- is the first major step in what eventually sets you completely free from that life of sin. Being able to confess it, I mean, 
people throw around the phrase, the first thing about solving a problem with yourself is first admitting that you have a problem. Mm-hmm. Like you don't, you're not going to call yourself an alcoholic until you realize, oh, I have a problem with alcohol. The uh, same, same thing goes with every sin, but a, a lot of people throw that saying around and they don't even apply it to their own lives. Um, but as a Christian, it's very extremely, extremely important whether you're coming to Christ for the first time or you've been in it for your entire life. Being able to do that personal inventory, that introspective inventory on whether or not we've sinned and done wrong, God, here it is, putting myself out there and putting myself on the altar, This, and you take it, you do what you will with it, and have your way in this. I'm going to empty it all out, leave it here for you to consume it, for you, that way his presence and his will can uh, be fulfilled in that. And then, of course, then there's the afterthought, right? Now that we've done that, we we throw around the once saved, always saved uh, quote, which we know that this is a consistent thing that we have to do. It's not just a one and done deal, you know. I die daily. I die daily. It's uh, we don't have to get baptized every single day, right? That, that's that's a one time deal. But the act of prayer and fasting and putting this flesh under submission is something we have to do every single day, because otherwise you're putting sin back on and uh, going conforming back to to this world and this sinful nature, and obviously that's not as a Christian that's something you you don't want. Uh, so making sure we put the flesh under submission, continuing afterwards as the afterthought. Uh, we focused on repentance today, but I just wanted to make sure, as sort of a as we wrap it up, that people understand that it's it's not a one and done deal. Uh, it, it, it it's the start of your spiritual spiritual journey, uh, and in your walk with Christ, it's the very beginning that that Acts 2.38 that we like to use, which is repent, be baptized, every one of you, right? We have to be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ and then receiving the gift of the Holy Ghost. It's a gift that God wants to give you, it, and this is something that God wants in your life. And it's not just uh, self-serving to to do all these things. We we need to seek the, the lowest seat. We need to be seeking, uh, wanting to serve God whenever we come back out of out of that life of sin and leaving it all behind leaving it all behind not not bringing any of that that sin or that filth into uh trying to drag it alongside us whenever we come back to the will of god um, but i'll leave it up to to you guys if you guys have any other closing statements i just wanted to make sure that 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 we also that i, I just wanted to share the what the aftermath is whenever we do come back to god well, I'll add this one little piece in that I forgot, and then I'll, I'll I'll get there when I get there. But the priest could not enter because the congregation was no longer in control. Mm-hmm. So when the glory of the Lord filled the house, mm-hmm. they couldn't go in there anymore because God was in control. It wasn't their job to go in there and do their duties as priests. God was taking care of that. Yeah. So part of that, when, when, when you're consumed by fire, it's not... What I've been trying to do this whole session is trying to do my job as the priest. Mm -hmm. And I think what I'm about to do is 
I'm not going to do the crazy group, but I'm going to put that down and stop trying to put my aspect into it. Um, I asked y'all yesterday, I think I asked you, I don't know if I asked both of you, when was God worthy? And Revelation talks about that the Father wasn't worthy, but the Son was. And essentially saying, okay, so Jesus was worthy. So let's go back a little bit further. Was the was the angel that loosed the the hip joint of Jacob worthy of the praise that Jacob gave him? Was the angel that spread the Red Sea being God? Of course, this is the revelation that you have to get. Was he worthy when he split the Red Sea? Was he worthy at the burning bush? Was he worthy? You can go all the way back to Genesis when he created the universe. I think he's worthy when he created everything that we're breathing right now. This might sound harsh in itself. I don't care what you were delivered of. You, 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 you could have an arm grow back. I don't care. That's not why you serve him. Right. You serve him because he's the God that... F- not even because he fills the breath in your lungs. He's worthy no matter what is essentially, and I can try and add words to it to make it sound deeper, but no matter what, whether you're lost, you could be a Christian a hundred years, you could have all the wisdom of Solomon. The core of it is he's worthy, so obey. Get down. When when I was driving over the road, I, I had an overwhelming desire to just it, it, it wasn't even a desire. It was almost an instruction that I needed to stop what I was doing and get out and pray. And I took the first exit, and I got out, and I just started praying in the grass. And that, I don't know, when you get the call, all are called fear are chosen. When you get the call to go up and repent and pray, obey it, get down, whatever is in between you and whatever could come between you and God. With Abraham, it was it could have been that promised child, you know, this is the promise. Okay, well, is the promise in between me and you? Am I worthy without the promise? Yes. Get down and give whatever that thing that's in between you, and you're not going to get up until you receive your, I hate to say entitled, but you're entitled to the Holy Spirit. Mm-hmm. You're you, As a son of God, you're entitled to... Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's the inheritance. The, the inheritance gift. of yeah. the Father. He told the other son, everything that I have is yours. Hmm. So you're entitled to everything, which is hard to... That's not even a thought I've had before, that all of heaven is essentially what we're entitled to Hmm. as sons of God. And you're going to get down and you're going to seek it until you, with that knowledge that I'm unprofitable, even as a son, with all the inheritance of the heavens... I'm still not worthy of that promise. And you just let the fire consume you. Amen. And don't forget the ashes because that's your testimony. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, the, the Jews of the Old Testament would apply the ashes as a symbol of uh, remembrance. And it's remembering the person that you were and who you are now. Mm-hmm. That's good, man. Amen. Amen. You have anything you want to say? I got closing? nothing to add. <laughs> um, thank you, Wyatt, for coming on here, man. We yeah. appreciate it. This mm-hmm. is awesome. I'm glad we got to touch on repentance because, I mean, whether I think we're including this as part of the Soul Winter series or, or Testify, whichever one we stick it under, it, it applies either way. That uh, re- Repentance is the first step in your walk 
getting getting into that walk with Christ and it allows you to come back and be able to put you back into the house of God and be being able to even accept that inheritance that gift that God has for us all so thank you for quiet for coming on here and providing that revelation to to everyone listening amen amen